All right, good morning once again, y'all. Uh, young, young folks, if you'd like to go with, down the hall with uh, Mr. Justin, you can do so at this time. The rest of us older young folks can hang out in here. Uh, this morning we're going to finish up our message series talking about the conditions of salvation. Acts chapter 2 will be where we, uh, our main focus this morning. I was going to come up here this morning, I have this big envelope, like a, like a, a file folder, and it's about that thick, with just different papers in it. I was going to bring it up here just so y'all would think that that's my sermon notes, just to see the reaction on your face. <laughs> I, d- I decided not to do that, obviously. <laughs> uh, let, me, let me do a quick review as we get, uh, get going this morning, because this is the, the, the final message in this series. And I want to just kind of put it all together as we conclude with our uh, discussion about baptism this morning. Uh, We started off talking about faith being a condition for salvation. And uh, we said that faith was not only hearing the the word of God about Jesus on the cross, uh, but receiving it, uh, knowing it, and, and deciding to receive that as truth. And then also deciding to put our trust in him as Lord and Savior. Which we, which we talked about would be uh, saving faith. And then the following message was about repentance. And we talked about how repentance is not only a one, uh, an initial response to our faith in changing who we want to be, turning from one direction to another. In other words, turning from our wicked ways and turning toward God. That's what repentance means. But also, even deeper than that, we... Uh, continue to have this growing desire to despise sin, right? right? It's, 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 it's not, you don't even want sin anymore. You want Jesus. And that's, uh, if you missed that message, it's still on, online. You can find it and review it if you would like. And then last, uh, the last message was about confession of Christ, uh, talking about how Jesus taught that if you will not confess me before men, I cannot and will not confess you before our, my Father. Which is kind of important, isn't it? He's saying, if you don't confess me as Lord and Savior in your life, then I'm not going to stand before God and say that I even know who you are. And that's where we went last week. All of those are conditions for the salvation that we receive through Christ on the cross. They need to be there. So now we read in Acts chapter 2, in verse 38. Let's, let's read verse 37 as well even though it's not on the board. Uh, Verse 38 will tell us the answer to our question about baptism, if it's necessary or not, or if it's a condition for your salvation. Verse 37 says, When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brother, what shall we do? What had happened was, the, the, the Spirit of God came upon the apostles and all of those who were in the upper room praying, waiting for Jesus as, he, as they were instructed. And the Spirit of God came upon them and they began to preach the gospel for the first time by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you want to hear the whole message, you can read all of chapter 2. It's pretty powerful. And the people that were hearing it, it says they were cut to the heart. They were convicted. They realized that they had sinned and killed the Messiah that they all had been waiting on. In other words, they heard the truth and they received it. 
right? And because they wanted to repent, stop being an offender of God, stop being a murderer of Christ, their words and the question that we all should ask, what should we do? You've been in that situation before where you've done something and you wish you didn't, and you're like, what can I do about this? How can I change this? What can I do to fix this? And that's the question that every person should come to so that they can know what to do about the problem of sin. And here we are at verse 38 for today's scripture verse. Here's Peter's reply to the question. You should repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That seems plain and simple, doesn't it? To me, it does. What should I do? Here's what you should do. Then why is it that people around the world have so much trouble agreeing on what to do for salvation? Right? Why is it that we can't figure out what God has set up, what his plan is, for us to step into the grace that Jesus provided through the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection. I often have told people, if, if God, if God would, have, would have written in his Bible that we would stand on our heads for 37 minutes, count backwards from 100 to 6 in Spanish to be saved, then that's what we would all do. Wouldn't you agree with that? We know that God doesn't say that, but if God would have said that, then that's what we would do. So why do we get hung up with this plan of salvation that God has laid out before us? Why do we we stumble? Why do we seem to question God's plan? I think that God's plans are better than mine. Pretty confident about that. I don't always act that way, but I'm pretty sure I know that. Whatever God plans, whatever God puts in place must be the best thing. Let's talk about the problem real quick. Sin brings a twofold problem. Okay? Sin brings a twofold problem into the lives of of man because, one, it brings guilt because we've offended God. Romans chapter 6 tells us all about that problem. All if all uh, uh, for the penalty of sin is uh, 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 what does it say? <laughs> for, for the wages of sin is death, not the penalty. I was looking at different. The wages of sin is death. So we have a problem that we're guilty, and we cannot pay for that. The second and the second problem is obviously we we become fallen people. Adam and Eve were perfect people until they decided to sin, and then they were fallen. That's Romans chapter three. All have fallen short of the glory of God. Right? All, the word all includes everybody. So here's the solution that Jesus on the cross brings to man. God brings forgiveness and God gives new life. Solution to both sides of the problem of sin. No longer are you, do you have to be guilty and no longer do you have to be dead in your sins. Isn't that great? All right, y'all. Get excited. Talking about salvation here. Talking about our Lord. Here's some interpretations about baptism and its place in this plan of salvation. Okay, there's there's just a few. 
One, sometimes people interpret this as being a symbolic thing only. Just symbolizes death, burial, and resurrection, which I agree that it does. But if that's all it is, we're taking away from what Jesus did on the cross. Okay, I'm trying to go a little quickly because I do have four pages here, just so you know. So sit back and relax. Psychologically, the idea is that if someone believes that something is happening in the water, physically, so that you can be saved, it takes away from what happened on the cross. However, something does happen when we get baptized, doesn't it? Something does happen when we're following the instructions of God and following the plan of God for, for entering into his grace through the blood of Christ. Make sense? But it's not only that. And then there's the casual connection, which is really uh, saying that the baptism, the waters of baptism, has some kind of power to make you holy or make you clean. And that is not, you can dismiss that one altogether, right? Because that certainly takes away from what happened on the cross. Would you agree? Okay, so we're all, we're all on the same page as far as what's going on. So what are we needing to find out here so that we can understand the proper place of baptism, the proper meaning of baptism, and put it in its place as far as who we are in Christ? Because that's what I want for everybody so that we can properly know Jesus. And properly enter into the grace that Jesus provided on the cross. Let me just say it this way. A sinner is saved when God applies the blood of Christ to his heart and gives the gift of the Holy Spirit. Would you agree with that? How do we know that that's true? (laughs) Acts chapter 2, we just read it. What should I do to make this right? Repent and be baptized. Right? So, baptism, here's what we can know. That baptism, immersion in the, in the baptism, is the moment in God's plan at which he chooses to offer you and extend his forgiveness and give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's what we just read in the scripture. Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. That's the moment in God's total plan in which God says you're forgiven. And the Spirit of God takes up residence in your heart. Now, some people sit back and it's like, well, how come he chose this moment? How come he won't choose the, 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 the moment we put our faith in him? How come he doesn't choose when we say that we repent? How come when I stand up and say Jesus is Lord that I'm not forgiven then? I'm not God. You have to ask him. God made this plan. This is God's way, right? I don't, I don't care if I have to run... A 5K every morning to be saved. If that's what I need to do, that's what I want to do. Thank the Lord we don't have to. <laughs> Some, one person got that. <laughs> Forgiveness in new life is the cure for the double problem of sin. Therefore, we can conclude that since this is the moment in which we receive the forgiveness and the, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, that this is an essential condition for salvation. It has to be there. We're saved by what Jesus did on the cross. But only if we follow God's plan of salvation. If we step into his way. So Acts chapter 2 verse 38. Remember the biggest word in that sentence that he says is for, F-O-R. 
for the forgiveness of your sins. Be baptized for the forgiveness. So that you can receive. Until that happens, it seems to me that Scripture teaches forgiveness and new life can't be there. Not because God doesn't want you to have it, because you don't like God's plan. So then, oh, I'm getting behind, y'all. There it is right there. So we go to Colossians chapter 2. It says, buried with him in baptism, raised up with him. Right? You can see it right there. This is a... This is a picture of us dying to our sinful self, the old man being buried into waters of baptism, so therefore the symbolism does come into play, but it's not the totality of it. And then when we come out of the baptism of waters, it's a new life in Christ because we've received the forgiveness and we have the Spirit of God in that moment. Because Jesus died on the cross and shed his innocent blood so that we could have that available. And because of our faith, we choose to repent, we choose to confess Christ, and we choose to obediently follow the, the, the act of baptism. And Colossians chapter 2 clearly expresses that all of this happens at the moment of baptism. I'm just trying to point out that Scripture tells us when this happens. Right? Because if you're, if you're like me, I need to know when. Am I good now? Am I good? If I'm talking to God, am I good? First question was, what do I do? I'm in trouble. What do I do? So I go and do what the answer to that question is, which is repent and be baptized. So then I can say, am I good? And the answer would be, well done what? Yes. Well done, good and faithful servant. Remember when Jesus was immersed in baptism and he came out of the water and God said, to, God said about him, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Why would you not hear that same words? Because Jesus died so that you can receive this gift, right? Jesus died so that you could be forgiven. So why wouldn't there be joy all over heaven and all over the body of Christ when a person enters into that? And when a person enters into that according to Scripture is when they're immersed in baptism. Hello? I don't know about you, and I'll get to this in a minute, but I, I will never forget the day that I was immersed in baptism. And can't imagine why it took me so long. Acts chapter 22, verse 16 says, And now what you are waiting, what are you waiting for? Talking, uh, this is uh, uh, Saul's story, right? He's like, what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized and wash your sins away, calling on his name. Clearly, baptism is a place where things happen. Even though Jesus on the cross and his death, burial, and resurrection is what caused the, it to happen. This is what God chooses. Uh, you, can, you can look at uh, uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 21, where he quotes Joel chapter 2, saying that those who call on the name of the Lord are saved. And they're putting that together with this act of baptism as the moment in which all of that takes place. So what about somebody's going to say, and, and I've, I hear it all the time, and I'll even say the same question. What about when the Bible says, baptism now saves? It's confusing, isn't it? It can be confusing if we're not paying attention, right? Or if it's mistaught. Mark chapter 16, verse 16, you can see it up there, I think. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. It's pretty clear. If you believe and you've been baptized, you, you can be saved. Just as it agrees with Acts chapter 2, which we just read. 
What should we do? Be, uh, repent and be baptized. And then, of course, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21 is pretty, uh, pretty, uh, more, uh, more clear in saying that. Baptism now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. Look at this, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is why somebody can be baptized, immersed into water, and not be saved. Because all these other conditions aren't there. The faith, the repentance, the confession that Jesus is Lord and Savior. If, they're not, if it's not a whole package, it doesn't matter, does it? If it's not about Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross, then it doesn't matter. But Peter is trying to express that if you have the conditions for salvation in place in your heart, you can now be saved. Because of those conditions, you are saved through the blood of Christ on the cross. So, there's two reasons why God connected salvation to baptism. One, to ensure an understanding that, uh, that, God, that this, this whole act on the cross would never be lost. That's why we have communion every Sunday morning. So we never forget that someone died so we can be forgiven. So that no governing agency, as was pointed out in our devotion, would ever dismiss it as not important what happened on the cross doesn't matter anymore. Well, let me tell you something. No governing body, no person, no group of people in this world is ever going to change the truth about Christ. You get to decide what you believe. You get to decide. And what you decide is going to dictate whether or not you travel down this path to salvation. These conditions that need to be in place. It's an un unforgettable, un unforgettable reference point. Why does God choose this way to do things? He wants us to remember. He wants us to have assurance of our salvation. Because I was immersed by other believers way back when, my wife and I together on the same day were baptized into Christ. And then a short time later, my son was baptized into Christ. I'll never forget I'll never forget because it was the moment that I was assured that my sins were forgiven. It was the moment that I began a new life with the Spirit of God in me for the first time ever. It was like I was walking around in somebody else's clothes and I didn't know how to act. Plus the heater in the baptistry was broken. It was freezing. I won't forget that either. <laughs> it was like ice cold water. Y'all get, get the purpose of baptism, I hope. Y'all understand that it's essential. It is a condition for salvation. And when I say it does not save you, I mean because Jesus on the cross saves you, but it's important for you to step into this salvation. It's the moment in which God forgives your sins. It's the moment in which you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and you begin to live this new life, this new life with God. That's what God has laid out. Okay? So who? Who then? Who, get, who should be baptized? Say, say the obvious answer. Everybody should be baptized. But really the answer is everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ and accepts them and submits to him as Lord and Savior. Who, who desires to repent in a genuine way and hate sin with a passion. 
Everyone who's not afraid to stand up and say Jesus is Lord and Savior of my life, he's Lord and Savior on the cross, that Jesus is Lord and Savior of the world. Confession of Christ, right? Anyone who goes down this road of salvation, the process of salvation, and finds themselves having to answer the question, should I be immersed in the body of Christ? Should I be immersed? Should I be baptized? That's who should be baptized. Right? And I think that nobody, nobody really wants to be baptized unless they actually have met Jesus anyway. And if they do, there's something else wrong. They're just kind of playing games, trying to put on a show. The Bible says that if you want to put on a show for your own, for your own popularity, you'll have your reward on this wor- in this world. Romans chapter 7, let me read this with you. I don't have it on the board. Oh, maybe I do. No, I don't. Here it is right here, verse, uh, verses 7 through 11. I'll just read it to you. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. Indeed, I would not have known what sin was except through the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said. Do not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of covetous desire. For apart from the law, sin is dead. Apart from the law, sin is dead, it says. Once I was alive apart from law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life and I died. You get it? Verse 10 says, I found that every commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceived me and through the commandment put me to death. I hope you, I hope you were able to follow all of that. Basically what he's explaining is, until I knew what the rules were, I wasn't guilty. Until I understood that there were laws in place that I shouldn't break, I wasn't guilty. I couldn't have been guilty. But he says, once I understood God's rules, God's laws, once I understood what offended God, in that very instant, I was dead. I was guilty. And this is what we talk about with the age of accountability. If you've ever heard that before. So we're still talking about who should be baptized, right? We're talking about who should be saved. Anyone who comes to a realization or falls in the category of Romans chapter 7, verse 7 through, the, through 11, if that's a real thing in your heart, anyone who stands in verse 37 looking at Peter saying, what should I do because I'm cut to the heart because I realize that I've offended God, any of those people need Jesus desperately. They need what happened on the cross in their life. And God has shown us how to get there. Repent and be baptized. Okay? So anybody who realize Too many people believe that children, uh, since they do wrong things, they don't obey their parents or they don't obey some kind of authority in their life, that, they're, that proves that they're sinful. No, it just proves that they're disobedient to their parents. Most children, little children, don't understand that they're offending God when they do that. So how can they be held accountable? But the moment, 
The moment that they realize that their actions are offending a holy God, they're dead in their sins and they need Jesus. Y'all, this is why children's ministry and youth ministry are so important in every church. Because if we wait for these young people to become full-grown adults, to reach them for Christ, we will be so far behind them, we may never catch up. They need a foundation. They need to understand. And they need it as soon as they become aware that they're sinners. Everybody else doesn't need to be baptized because they have no desire to be saved. Okay? Some, some denominations will believe in infant baptism. We do not believe that infant baptism is necessary for the reasons I just explained. Many of those denominations uh, believe that people are born guilty of Adam's sin, and that's why infants should be baptized. I disagree with that because when Jesus died on the cross, he died for the forgiveness of what? All sin. And how can we be born in the guilt of Adam's sin if Jesus' blood covered his sin? We're born into a sinful world, and we will sin because that's what we do. Right? Some, some denominations will equate baptism with uh, Old Testament circumcision, right? And they'll say, well, uh, the Hebrews would circumcise by God's rules, by God's law, so that they would uh, prove that they're part of the uh, people of God. So therefore, baptism is the same kind of act, making a, a, sacri- a sacrament that is for membership, proving that they're members of the church or by members of the congregation, which is not anywhere in Scripture. If it was, I would think that we would only baptize the men if we're going to associate it with circumcision. Hello? Sometimes it's just got to be simple. There's no mention of infant baptism anywhere in the New Testament, and nowhere in the, in the New Testament is, is uh, baptism described as a sign of belonging to the church for membership. We're talking about entering into the body of Christ. By the grace of God, through the blood of Christ. That's what it's all about. There's other things that have to do with church membership, right? If churches, if congregations have uh, some rules in place that don't disagree with Scripture about their membership, so be it. Nothing wrong with that at all. But we cannot put baptism for the membership of the church. It is for entering into the body of Christ. All right. So then, now we know who, right? Now let's talk about how, because this is important. This is really important. And I'm about to be done. I'm fixing the clothes. <laughs> how do we do this? Well, let me give you a few uh, influential people in the past and give you some quotes. One, Martin Luther, who is uh, instrumental in the Lutheran church history, he says, I would have those who, bapt- who are baptized be entirely immersed as the work imparts and mystery signifies. Uh, John Calvin, who is instrumental in the history of the Presbyterians, says the word baptize signifies to immerse. It is certain that immersion was the practice of the ancient church. And finally, John Wesley of the Methodist uh, history says, buried with him alludes to baptizing by immersion according to the custom of the first church. I prefer to look at what Scripture says. 
right? So what does Scripture say? Well, the Greek word baptizo, we all understand, hopefully, means to dip or immerse. That's how it should be translated directly. Completely cover, right? That's what it means. Some other translations will use the word plunge, submerge, or sink, or go under, or even drown. I don't use the word drown because nobody will get baptized if I say, you want to be drowned? I'll say that to people because I'm trying to encourage people, right? It's important to understand what's being said in a proper way so we can make the application with the help of the Holy Spirit so that we can be saved. So here's what baptism signifies. Death, burial, and resurrection. Right? It's putting the believer who put their faith in Christ, who repented, who confesses Christ, associating the believer with Christ in such a way that we died just like Christ died, except for spiritually, not physically. And what do we do with dead people? Not to be kind of rude, but we bury, we bury them in the ground, usually. That's the waters of baptism is the grave for the sinner who has died to the sinful nature, who has decided to deny himself. And when that happens, we go into the grave, and then out of the grave, just like Christ was resurrected from the dead, we also come out of that watery grave and receive this new life in Christ because we're now forgiven. I'm expecting all y'all to be baptized if you don't say amen to that. (laughs) Come on, y'all. We're talking about what Jesus did on the cross and how it applies to our life. This baptistry right back here should be the most important thing in this church building. Not because of anything that it does, but because of what it means and what happens in there. What God does in the hearts of man through the baptistry. You see? Romans chapter 6, verses 6 through 4. Oh, I didn't put that on there either. It says, We have been buried with him through baptism in death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Not only do we get to be forgiven, but we have new life. We were dead in our sins. Now we live. Isn't that great? If you're with us in Revelation on Wednesday night, not too many chapters ago, we saw that the, entire, the entirety of the believers were killed and left in the streets and their enemies were dancing over their dead bodies. And then just a couple of days later, all those who were killed rose from the dead and scared the fool out of all the heathens that killed them. You don't believe me? Go back and read it yourself. It's there. Oh, by the way, did you know that Jesus himself was immersed? Did you know that? If we're going to follow Christ, why wouldn't we do that? Make sense? And I don't know about you, but um, I can't be immersed if somebody's sprinkling water on my head. Somebody's dabbing a wet towel on my head. It doesn't work. It doesn't do what God intended baptism to do. Does it? The first time I was ever baptized, my mother took me to the Catholic church when I was in grade school. I thought we were going to Kmart. 
And some priest started pouring some water on my head. He gave me a candle and told me my name was John. Because when you're a Catholic church, you get, you get a new name after you're baptized. Right? That, that, whatever happened that day meant nothing. Because it wasn't my decision. It wasn't immersion. No one shared the gospel with me. My mother took me down there because the priest put pressure on her. To get her kids saved. Because they don't understand what God's plan of salvation is. So as an adult later, I finally have someone sit down and force me to listen to the truth about Jesus. And now I have a decision to make. I find myself in Romans chapter 7 with all this guilt on me because now I can no longer hide from the truth. And I, then I find myself in Acts chapter 2 verse 38. It's like, what should I do? And praise God, somebody's got the answer. Because I was able to run down to the church and say that I do believe and I do repent and I do want to live for Christ and I want to be baptized so that I can be forgiven and have the Spirit of God living in my heart. Didn't that happen to you? Y'all are all time asking your preacher, how do we make disciples? How do I witness to people? Tell them what happened when you got baptized. Tell them what happened when you got saved. Tell them what you've been forgiven. You don't have to tell them the details. But still, I, I was like, I was over here living like a fool. And even in that moment, Jesus died for me, and I was able to come over here and decide to be baptized so I can have forgiveness. That's your witness. That's the truth. So now we go. Here's what I've been trying to say for all of these messages. These four messages that's taken actually six weeks because of weather. <laughs> four messages to tell you that all of this, faith, repentance, confession, and baptism, is all one event. And if we separate them, we will misunderstand what they do and what they're about. They're one, in, one event in a, in a heart of a person in response to what Jesus did on the cross. This is why when someone comes to me and says, uh, I want to be baptized, but I want to wait for my family to come from Canada. I'm fine with that. I'm not going to argue with you. But if you're convicted and you're cut to the heart and you're saying to God, what should I do? And he tells you what to do. I think maybe you should consider just doing it. We have the technology, by the way, to record stuff and send them to your loved ones and they get to enjoy it. Right? It's too important to put off. If you really believe and you really repent and you really confess that Jesus is Lord, then why wouldn't you run like the Ethiopian and say, Heck, how come I can't be baptized? What's stopping me? Francis Chan, uh, years ago, preached a sermon about baptism, and his big, his big statement was, why are we even asking the question about baptism? Why are we trying to dissect it so much? If we believe that the Word of God is His Word and the truth, and we believe that Jesus died on the cross, right, and we genuinely repent, and we genuinely uh, confess that he's Lord and Savior, then why are, we, why are we so hung up on this baptism stuff? Why not be baptized? Give me one good reason not to be baptized, be immersed into Christ, and, and, and we can have a discussion, but you're not going to find a good reason. You're not. Because it's God's plan. It's the way he's laid it out. And who am I to argue with him, especially when it comes to him forgiving me for things that he has no reason to forgive me except for that he loves me so much? 
is such a gift that Jesus provided on the cross. Who are we to complain about the way in which we receive it? Who are we to try to change the way that God wants to offer it? Just be baptized. And let's get on with living for Christ. Isn't that great? It doesn't have to be such a big deal. It's all one event. The moment we realize the truth about Jesus, that event takes place if you receive that truth. The repentance, the confession, the faith, the baptism, all happens at once. It's only possible by the work on the cross. But it only happens when a, when a person receives the truth and begins the process. Remember that all of these things depend on one another. They don't, none of them stand alone. You, you can't have the forgiveness of sin without all of these conditions being in place in your heart. It can't happen according to Scripture. That's why there's no way you're going to find anyone who got saved in the early church that doesn't get baptized. These are the conditions for salvation. And without these conditions existing as one event, you cannot be forgiven and you will not have new life. So, see I got through those four pages pretty quick. If you never heard or you never knew, now you know. If you're here in the building or if you're online listening, now you know the truth. What are you going to do with it? If you've ever rejected or ignored this truth, now's another chance. As long as you've got breath in your lungs, now's another chance to respond to these conditions that God has put forth for salvation. I, I pray that you do, if you haven't. And I pray that if you already have uh, these conditions in place, that you praise God every day and allow Him to have His way in your heart so that others might do the same. If you've ever had a different understanding of the things that I've talked about, or maybe even a wrong understanding or maybe not enough information, whatever the case is, now you know. And you have an opportunity to make an adjustment. That's all it is. Sometimes we just need to know things better. And we just need to make an adjustment and move on. It's not the end of the world. It doesn't have to be a big uh, ordeal. It just means, oh, I didn't know. Let me do that now. Right? Because what? We lo if we love the Lord, we'll obey what He commands. If we want to be saved, we want to make sure that we're saved, and we want to be certain of that salvation. Right? I think the Bible's clear about how to be certain. That's what I think. I think the Bible is so clear that we make it too hard. We sometimes confuse ourselves because we start dividing what the Word says and start putting in our own information, and then we start teaching wrong. Somebody comes to us as believers and says, what I need to do to be saved? How can I be a Christian? That's it. What I've just explained to you today is what Scripture says. Believe, re repent, confess that Jesus is Lord of your life. Not just Lord, but Savior. 
and then be baptized. Be immersed. We, we've baptized people in so many places. We had the fire department come out and baptize a guy one time because he, he wasn't able to walk up the steps of the baptistry in the church. We called the fire department. They come out with their big tank, filled it up with water, right, blocked the whole street. And a handful of us guys carried that man into these waters of baptism right there in the middle of the street, right after church. Why would somebody go through so much trouble if it didn't mean anything? Isn't it great? You'd be baptized in a bathtub if you want to. Just find some water and be immersed. And don't get hung up. Right? I love you and the Lord loves you. If you have a decision to make, come down here today. If you're online and you have a decision to make and you just need to talk about it or you want to do something about it, get a hold of us. Send me a message on Facebook, on YouTube. Call, call me on the phone. We'll make it happen. We will help you because we love you. Jesus died for you. And God laid out his plan for all of us. There's no reason for us to make it hard. Y'all ready to sing? We're going to sing together. If you're saved and you've uh, gone through all of these conditions and they're a reality in your life, sing like you're saved. <laughs> sing like the Lord loves you and he died for you. If you're not saved, then come right up here and let's talk about it. We can even baptize you right now if you need to be. You ready? Let's stand up and sing together.